Would you like one of those t-shirts? It says 2020, one star, very bad. Do not recommend. Well, I feel this way about this year, and I'm a person of privilege, with most of my needs having been met, I've just been inconvenienced this year. But for a lot of people, 2020 has been a year that's been exhausting, full of fear, dread, violence, sickness, and death. Do not recommend. But did you know that a University of Connecticut professor named Peter Turkin predicted eight years ago that the U.S. was on track for a chaotic, violent 2020? Now, did he have a crystal ball? No, he just had data and a theory of a 50-year cycle of unrest culminating in a violent year every 50 years. Now, the professor claims that economic and society's injustice lead to civil unrest over time until it creates a violent peak that society finally can't ignore, and it bursts. And then attention is paid to the problems to quiet things down, and peace returns for about 20 to 30 years. And then the unresolved problems begin to creep back in, and bubble up again, and a new generation has to deal with turbulence. According to his theory, violence in America peaked around 1870, then 1920, then 1970. Well, do the math. 50 years more, and you get 2020. Looks like he called it correctly. Our scripture today does give us hope because I see it as Paul's recipe for creating peace and harmony between people. Yes, it seems like violence and turbulence in America is inevitable. Maybe it's just part of the American way. But it is not, Paul says, the Christian way. It's not the way of the people who follow the Prince of Peace. Hear what Paul says in Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse 9. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take for thought what is noble in sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it, it is written, Vengeance is mine. I, re, I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. 
Paul is speaking here to his church in Rome as a group, but also Paul is speaking, I think, to each person listening to his words. I think Paul is giving us a code of behavior that embodies the love of Christ. He begins by saying, let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Now I think if we strive to live by his advice, to follow his recipe, I think you and I can do a lot to stem the, the behavior of violence in our world. But let me tell you, it's going to take a lot of work. I'm sure you've probably heard about this incident or one very similar. Seems there were two men, neighbors, who began punching each other out in their yard one day, not too long ago, over the placement of a political sign. Now, one neighbor was upset because he said the other guy came over and deliberately placed his sign in front of his own. And they came to blows over it. What worries me is there's going to be more and more of these incidents between now and November 3rd. It seems like violence is increasing in 2020. And I think that violence, being a psychology major, begins with our feelings. It begins with bottling up our feelings, especially the negative ones. Frustration, fear, guilt, anger, I think sometimes we feel badly about ourselves and we take it out on the people around us. We don't know what to do with these feelings. I think Paul gives us an answer here when he says the first step to peacemaking and stopping this cycle of violence is to deal with our emotions, especially the ones that are not socially acceptable. Now growing up in the South, I was taught Never get angry. In fact, the word we used for it was not angry, it was ill. Now, if you have trouble with my accent, that's spelled I-L-L. -L. You were said to be ill if you were angry. And what that meant was you equated sickness with angry feelings. And these were unacceptable. Fortunately, many years of study and some therapy have helped me see that anger is a normal emotion. Sorrow, despair, dread, fear, all those negative emotions are part of me as a human being. But it depends on what I do with them. How do I handle them? How do I channel them? You know, I see anger now as like my instant pot. You build up pressure, but if you don't vent it just a little bit here and there, eventually it will blow and your anger will erupt in violence. I think in order to slow down the violence in our culture, we need to find ways to channel our anger. But how do we do that? Well, like my, my therapist in North Carolina's sign said, keep talking. We talk about our feelings with someone that we trust, whether it's a friend, a relative, a teacher, a Stephen minister, a pastor. We get our feelings out in a safe place. We can go to a support group if we can find a group of people dealing with what we're dealing and we know that they too will listen to us and we can hear them. We get those feelings out in a confidential place. 
But of course, we're Christians. We believe that we can talk to God. And this is called prayer. But prayer is really just conversing with God. Whether you do it out loud or whether you do it quietly, it doesn't really matter. It's just talking to God as your friend who will listen and hear you. And he can take those feelings of anger and frustration. He'll listen. He won't judge you. This is one way we can do what Paul says in verse 10, love one another warmly as Christians and show respect for one another. Talk about our feelings. It's a healthy way to get out anger. But now as Christians, we always ask, what would Jesus do? Well, think about Jesus for a moment. We think of him as calm, cool, collected, always loving. He took flogging and humiliation and died on a cross forgiving others. But wait a minute, there was that one time, that one time where he lost it. Maybe it was his humanness coming out, but he went into the temple and saw what he thought was desecration. And in righteous anger, he threw over the tables of the money changers destroying their property, probably, and making people astounded. Now, Jesus got angry, righteous angry, and he acted on it. But now look for a moment what the difference is. He expressed his anger on objects, not on people. A friend of mine told me that her therapist recommended a very, what could be considered unusual way of dealing with her angry feelings. There was a woman in her family she was angry at, but the woman had passed away. She couldn't talk to her, so what could she do to get out her feelings? So the therapist told her to go to a quiet place in her house, alone, and take something that the woman had given her or made and destroy it. She said she did it, and she felt better, and she hurt no one in the process. Now you can go punch a punching bag, you can go run for, or go for a walk. You can cut or tear something up. You can write about it in your diary. All these ways of expressing anger use things to get out our bottled feelings. And they are certainly more healthy ways of dealing with our negative feelings. But most of all, they promote peace because they hurt no one. I wonder how many of you heard what happened in the Philadelphia Cathedral last Sunday. It wasn't on the news, it was about a square big in the Philadelphia Inquirer, but a very unusual thing happened. During the mass that was being held, a woman who was one of the lectors was coming down from the chancel to her seat. And as she did so, suddenly a woman appeared from the eaves and came out and just socked her. The woman reeled back, and the, wo the woman, the attacker, ran away, but the lector reeled back, and she said, she said to herself, I've got to recover from this. So she pulled herself together and quietly went to her pew to begin praying as the priest went on with his, his prayer. No one really noticed what happened, except for this one reporter who was there. I would love to meet this lady, the lector, who was able to recover and go sit down in her pew and continue the Mass. She lives what Paul says in verse 17, if someone's done you wrong, don't repay him with wrong, never take revenge. Now our world teaches and loves revenge. 
Remember we say, don't get mad, get even. Movies and books are written about vigilantes and avengers who come in to right wrongs and stop the evildoers. Oh, by the way, Batman's returning this fall and I'm sure he's gonna be pretty popular. But the world says an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But the Christian is reminded by Paul that an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. Paul urges us to take a much harder road and repay an offense with kindness and love. Wait, where have we heard that before? I think it was Jesus who said, turn the other cheek. And this is much harder to do than reacting in anger at someone who's hurt us. Now, no matter what you think about what's going on in our country this week, and a lot has happened, I was impressed by the mother of Jacob Blake, whose son is paralyzed in a hospital in Wisconsin. She came on television and she was quoted this way. She said, we are the United States and I am praying for us all. To the police, I am praying for you and your families. To all citizens, I'm praying for you too. I pray that our hearts, our love, and our intelligence work together to show the rest of the world how humans are supposed to treat each other. By avoiding revenge and vengeance, we can break the cycle of violence and promote peace. But now wait, these words don't mean that we should take abuse. I was very impressed the first time I came into this church and went into the ladies' room. For in the window and on every stall is a sign saying, if you are abused, say something to the pastor or call the domestic violence center. No one should take abuse. Christ does not want us to be abused or anyone, child, adult, to be abused physically, emotionally, verbally. We should make it stop. Calling out a wrong and righting it promotes peace. So we should do that. Now, growing up in North Carolina, my mother wrote several poems and verses of scripture on paper, and she taped them inside of a cabinet door. It was a wooden cabinet door that my father had made, but every time I would go get the salt or the cinnamon or the A1, I'd open the door, and there were all her handwritten notes. But the one that got blazed in my eyes is my favorite verse in the Bible, and here it is, verse 15 of Romans. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Paul wrote these words to encourage empathy, the ability to identify with other people's sorrows and joys. For if we can feel another person's pain, we can understand and we can respond appropriately. Weep with those who weep. That one I think we do pretty well. I think our heart goes naturally out to people who are suffering, especially if you have been through something yourself. If you've lost someone, then you know how it feels to grieve. If you are going through cancer or have made it through cancer, then you can sympathize and empathize with those who are. We're very good at bringing casseroles and flowers and weeping with those who weep, and that's good. 
But I think the harder part is the first part of this saying. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Now take one look at Facebook and you'll see that everybody seems to be rejoicing, or they have been. They put on there their celebrations and their promotions. And many of us, me included, look in there and think, ooh, I have the fear of missing out. Why am I not rejoicing that way? Why is it so good for them and so rough for me? It's easy to resent people that are happy. I found this out many years ago when my best friends decided to take a new job and move way across the country. They were so excited. I tried to be, but I resented it, and I kept thinking, oh, what am I going to do without them? I found it very hard to be happy for them. But that's when I remembered the words in the cupboard. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Empathize. Feel another person's joy and pain. That leads to peace. Now, for more than eight years, I have driven from Westchester down 926 to Parkersville Road to Route 1 to go to my two churches. And whether I went in the morning, like around 9 or 8.30, or in the afternoon at 5 o'clock, when I got to the entrance of Kendall at Crosslands, there she was. The lady standing there in the rain, in the sleet, in the heat, in her 70s, mind you, with her four to six handmade signs. Now they all spoke to something about what was going on in the culture. Usually it was for or against something the government was doing. And as you stopped at the light, you couldn't help but look over and read what she was saying, and it caused you to think. Now I didn't always agree with her stance on what the government was doing, but I admired her. So one day when I was in Kendall, I asked about her. And the people there explained who she was and that not only did she live in a Quaker community, but she believed her Quaker beliefs of pacifism and she was dedicated to promoting peace. So she may be down there today, as far as I know, standing on the corner. I admire her for standing up for peace in the way that she feels is true to herself. Another way we can promote peace is by promoting the groups or the causes that we see promote peace. We can send that email to our congresswoman. We can write a letter to a person we disagree with. We can use a bumper sticker. We can do a lot of different things to try to say we don't support violence. We can give money to a cause. We can vote, of course, this year for those that we think will bring peace to our country. But we need to stand up along with others and say, we want a culture of peace, not of war. I'm sure that's what Paul wants us to do. Posted yesterday from a lady in Texas. Heading home today, I saw an older white woman lying on the sidewalk with a young Asian woman trying to talk to her. Well, I did a U-turn and pulled into the parking lot of a nearby street, just as another car pulled in. I jumped out of my car as the, at the same time that a young black man jumped out of his. We both checked and saw that the woman had been using a walker and had fallen backwards, hitting her head on the pavement. So I called 911. The young man went to his car and got a soft jacket and placed it under her head to shield her 
from the 100 degrees scorching pavement because it was so hot outside. Another young white woman got an umbrella to shield her face from the sun. Another got towels to place under her bare arms. And a young Latino employee from the nearby burger joint came back with a bucket of clean, cool water and a rag to place over her head. We all, black, white, Asian, and Hispanic, worked together to aid an older woman who had fallen. This is the American way. This is the Christian way. Do not over, be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Live peaceably with all, Paul says. Yes, 2020, what a year. Do not recommend. But wait a minute, it's not over yet. We still have four months to go. So maybe we can do something to make things better. If we think about Paul's recipe, it's a good start. We can express our feelings in appropriate ways. We can avoid revenge. We can try to be empathetic and walk a mile in someone else's shoes. And we can work for a culture that promotes peace. Beginning today, peace can be part of 2020. I think it's a good idea. Let's get started, shall we? Let us pray. Lord, make us an instrument of your peace. Where there is unrest, help us to show love. Help us to show the love of Christ as he has taught us. And help us to affect our world around us today, tomorrow, and every day. It is in his name that we ask. Amen.